All right, bradcooney.com would like to welcome to the show a very special guest tonight from Quiet Riot, the drummer, Mr. Frankie Benali, man. Just a pleasure to have you on board. Hey, Brad, really nice to be able to chat with you tonight. You know, when I first saw the Metal Health record, I looked at the cover, and I didn't, I didn't even hear one song on it yet, and I just bought it, because I just knew it was going to be badass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, uh, the funny thing about that cover is uh, you see the guy with the, with the metal mask, mm-hmm. and you see him with the red leather uh, straight jacket, and then you see the padded cell behind him, right? Yep. Okay, if you take a close look at the padded cell behind, uh, behind the, the individual behind the mask, it's a, uh, it's a packing blanket from U-Haul. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Look, I gotta look at this real quick. Take a, clo- take a closer look sometime. I'm, I'm gonna look at it right now, because I got it on my Facebook page right in front of me. Alright, this is gonna be insane. You gotta be kidding me, Frankie. That is unbelievable. I love that. Yeah, yeah, you know, that, that's when that's when you're working with a, with a very tight budget. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's funny. You just you, you make do with what you got at the time. And look at the, look at the success of that record, though. And, of course, we're yeah. going to talk about you guys' new record coming out in just a second. Um, but but the, the, the mental health record, honestly, man, if we refresh my memory, what, what was the exact year that came out? Like 80, what was that, 80? Uh, 83, that came out yeah, uh, right. March 17th. 1983. So I, I graduated high school in 84 and went to the Navy, and that record got me through so much freaking hard days when I was deployed. Um, oh, man, thank so you. I want you to know that. I've been waiting to tell you that. The, the, the record just got me and a lot of my shipmates, too, man, because that, that album was cranking back in 1984. I mean, you guys are all over the place. You know, it's really funny because I've, I've heard I've heard similar stories from guys that have gone to Afghanistan. As a matter of fact, um, I was told by uh, a couple of people uh, in the military that when they were trying to get Noriega out of his palace, his fortified palace in Panama, they got these giant uh, horn speakers and they were facing it towards the palace and continued to play the mental health record over and over again as loud as they could. Frankie, you want to hear something crazy? I promise to you, my friend, he's my coworker, his name is Ron, was an army, he was an army infantry guy in Panama when that happened, and he told me he was there and heard that. He heard... So, so as you can see, I'm not making this stuff up. No. To me, everything is fact. That is confirmation right there, guaranteed. All right, so let's get into this One Night in Milan. This is a live record, and I got to listen to it. Freaking badass, man. It's good stuff. It's great to hear you guys just, just doing your thing. Talk about the record a little bit. What can the fans expect when they when they listen to it? Well, I got the call from uh, from the kind people at uh, Frontiers uh, Music, and they wanted to know if Choir Ride would be interested in playing in Milan uh, April of 2018. And, uh, I, of course, I was definitely interested because Choir Ride had never played in Italy in our entire life. Uh, and once, uh, once I had agreed to do that, they asked if I would, might be interested in having it recorded for a live record. And uh, I said, yeah, absolutely, uh, we can do that. The only condition I have is that uh, I'm not asked to take any of the tracks into the studio and recut anything. In other words, uh, no replacing vocals, no replacing guitar solos, no fixing bass things, mm-hmm. you know, no fixing anything. Because to me, if you're if you have confidence in the people you work with, and but more importantly, if you're making a live record and you're calling it a live record, uh, the minute you take it into the studio, Mm-hmm. By definition, 
definition, it ceases to be a live record. So that's why I titled it One Night in Milan, because that's exactly what it was. That's One Night in Milan, how Quiet Riot sounded, how Quiet Riot performed. And one of the things that used to really, really aggravate me about live, you know, live records was when you knew it was produced fake crowd noise and you could just tell it was fake. I hated that. So with, with One Night in Milan, you just get raw, quiet riot. When, and, you know, when you have a product and you can deliver that product, you shouldn't have to be worried about going, you know, and stuff. Well, and credit, credit goes to the fact that, you know, I have a really, really strong lineup. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Alex Grassi has been in the band uh, 13, 14 years now, so it's not like he's a new guy. Yeah. Uh, Chuck, uh, who's an amazing bass player, he's been involved in the band on and off since 82. Um, mm -hmm. And James Durbin is now in his uh, second year with Quiet Riot. And it made it special because, you know, nobody's ever going to replace Kevin, but uh, some of the great things about working with James is that he has the vocal range to be able to sing the Quiet Riot material with in a manner that it should be. Uh, perform. He's a, an excellent showman, so he really likes being on stage, and so did Kevin. And he's a really, really nice guy, so uh, yeah. so far, so good. You know, and, and I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead about five questions, because I was going to talk about about um, about Durbin, um, and you beat me to the punch, which is, but it's just perfectly okay, because it's never a bad time to segue into him. You know, I'm not going to do any name dropping, I'm not going to do anything like that, but there was a person I heard on on, uh, I'm just going to say the radio, um, that wasn't very nice to James Durbin. And, and I was like, all right, well, let me hear, let me, let me, I'm going to listen to what this guy has to say. And then I'm going to formulate my own opinion when I hear James perform. And when I heard James perform, I was like, what the freak is this guy on the radio talking about? This guy, James Durbin, is a monster. He is freaking awesome. I mean, yeah. I was blown away. Listen, any, any criticism that's levied uh, against James or Quiet Riot or any of the members of the band, and, and especially me, uh, it's water off a duck's back. I don't care about it because usually uh, the source isn't reliable, uh, so why should I take it serious? You know, and everybody's got their agenda. You know, I, it's, 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 the equation is so incredibly simple and so incredibly crystal clear. You don't like Quiet Riot? Don't go to a Quiet Riot show. Simple as that. You don't like Quiet Riot? Don't buy a Quiet Riot record. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. Nobody's forcing it on you. Yeah. You know, I could care less whether you come to the show or whether you buy the record if you don't like the band. So what's, what's your problem? Because yeah. it certainly isn't my problem. You know, you know what? The difference is, like, for me, there's, of course there's music that I, that I don't particularly care for out there. You guys happen to be not one of them. I've been a Quiet Riot fan since 1983. Um, but if I don't like a... I don't, you know, the thing is, if I don't like a band... I don't bash them publicly about it. I just don't like you said. I just don't buy the records, and I just move on. You know, move on to a band that I do like. So I, anyway, I, that was very unfortunate because let me tell you, for my listeners out there, this James Durbin kid is a real freaking deal, man. I mean, I mean, I heard the uh, right off the, the, uh, the your new the, your, your new live record, uh, One Night in Milan. His his when you guys did the sang um, Metal Health. Oh my God. Oh yeah, real deal. Real yeah. Deal. Like I said, like I said, you. You can never, you can never.
never replace uh, Kevin Dubrow. Right. Uh, but let me tell you, one a key factor for me to continue Quiet Riot is to have it to have it sound like Quiet Riot, so that it is Quiet Riot, yeah. and it does sound like Quiet Riot, and it is indeed Quiet Riot. So you know, if uh, if somebody doesn't share that opinion, that's their problem, not mine. Exactly. One more thing on Gene, because I had a fan and asked wanted me to ask you a question about James. He was yes. his name. Yeah, yeah. He's a great kid. He's one of my Facebook followers. Uh, he wanted to know. Um, uh, how, how exactly did you guys select Jane? I know, of course, we know he won the uh, it was American Idol, I believe, or was it or was, it, or was it America's Got Talent? Which one did James Durbin win? Uh, he was on American Idol, and he was on season ten, uh, and he got as far as uh, the number four, so he was top four before top he was four. eliminated. Um, and what, what ended up happening is, well before, I mean, this was you know because season ten was years ago, uh, and I wasn't a, I wasn't a person that. For any other reason, that it wasn't one of the shows I watched, and uh, and a friend of mine says, "Hey, you know they they they've got a rock kid on American Idol," and that intrigued me because that's one thing that was you know really lacking right. in, uh, in in the performers that they had on the show. So you know I found out when the show was going to be on, and it happened to be the one where he sang with Judas Priest, oh. and oh. and I heard him and watched this, and I said to myself, "Bam, a kid's got a great voice. He's really talented." He looks comfortable on stage, you know. Uh, you know, I think he's going to do really well. I hope it, it, it does well for him. And that was it, out of sight, out of mind. So then, move up now to 2017, and I, I find myself in the situation of once again having to having to cut loose a singer that just wasn't working out. Right. And um, and I spoke with uh, our guitarist Alex, and as it happened at the time, Alex was working on a side project with James. So he said to me, "Well, what do you think? What do you think?" about James Durbin, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely interested, and so I sent James a brand new song um, that didn't have any vocals or anything on it, it was just the music, mm -hmm. and I sent it to him, and within a day, he turned it around, he had written lyrics, and he had wow. recorded it, nice. done the lead vocals and the background vocals, and uh, that song actually turned out to be Can't Get Enough, oh, wow. which, is, which was the video uh, for the Road Rage release yep. that we uh, released last August, um, and so from that point on, uh, he came on board, and uh, we've been a uh, happy camp ever since. That's awesome. He seems like a real likable guy, and he, you know what? He also seems very coachable. What I mean by that is somebody that will just, you know, just keep quiet, listen, and learn, and then run with it. He seems like he's very coachable. Yeah, he's, like I said, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a great, he's a great person, he's a great family man, um, I love, I love uh, the way he sings, and, yeah. and uh, he's a great performer, and, uh, and I like that when he writes, you know, uh, lyrics for, for any one of the Quiet Riot songs, he writes from, from perspective of things that he knows of, and the best songs usually come from there. All right, so let's talk about Thunderbird, the track Thunderbird. Now, I read some of the information that was sent out um, that that's the first song. First, I'm sorry, that's the first uh, first time. The first time it was performed live. Um, no, that's a, that's an, uh, that's inaccurate. Remember, we're dealing we're dealing with with Frontiers, it's an Italian label, and sometimes uh, things get a yeah, little okay. lost in translation. Um, here's here's the story on that. Okay. When uh, when we recorded that song in 1982 for the Mental Health Record, um, the song, the recorded studio version, uh, starts with a piano intro, mm -hmm. and then there's piano all the way through the entire song. Now, we... 
Oh, I lost you. Uh, and it has always been um, uh, dedicated to the memory of Randy Rhodes. And but we have never played the song the way it was recorded because we don't have a keyboard player. We don't take a keyboard player out on the road. So once I made the decision that uh, that I was going to okay recording the the show Milan live, um, I knew who the producer was going to be, and who's a friend of mine, Alessandro Dovecchio, who did a great job on the production. And, but he happens to be a ridiculously accomplished musician and a keyboard player. So I got in touch with him and I said, listen, um, how would you feel about playing piano on, on Thunderbird? We've never played it live this way. And he was, oh, wow. was very humbled and he was very, very appreciative of the opportunity. Uh, and so this, what you have on on this uh, CD and DVD is the only time we have played that song live as it was recorded uh, back in 1982. Gotcha. All right. That, that, and that makes more sense. I was kind of scratching my head a little bit when I read that. So that, 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 that clears that. That up. Um, yeah, right. you know, tomato, tomato. Yeah, know. exactly. No worries, man. Um, all right, well, I'm going to mix in a couple fan questions here because everybody was really excited when I announced you were coming on the show. Um, so I got a, a kid named James. I say a kid, he's 30 something years old. He's a kid to me. Um, a kid named James out of Dallas, Texas. He wants, he said, please ask Frankie, um, does Quiet Riot have any plans to hit the studio to release another record? Um, of course, he must be talking after Road Rage. Um, next year, perhaps. Uh, but if he's well, obviously, uh, but um, putting putting aside the fact that we've got uh, the live in Milan that's coming out uh, this Friday, <clears throat> the twenty fifth, we're already in the studio recording the uh, the next uh, studio record. So uh, uh, tell him yes, we're already we're already um, way ahead, way ahead of, uh, of my schedule. Well, I'm sure he's going to be happy to hear that. That's for sure. Um, do you have a Do you have a favorite venue? I mean, you've been doing this a long time, Frankie. Is there Is there any particular venue, or maybe a top one or two or three, that really you just you just love to play? Well, I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you the the ones that that uh, played key factors in my life. I mean, obviously, you know, you have to mention the US Festival because we played to over three hundred seventy five thousand people at eleven thirty in the morning. That's but uh, the first time we played Madison Square Garden, that was important for me because, you know, I grew up in New York uh, and I had seen Led Zeppelin there and a million other bands. So actually playing on the stage where a lot of my heroes have played, that was important. Um, another important one was playing the L.A. Forum because if you're from L.A., uh, you know, that's the that's the that's the high watermark of the LA Forum and and we played it twice the second time we had lined it on the condition critical tour. So that was important. Having said that, you know, we play because the music industry has changed so much, uh, and especially in the last ten years. We play everything from, from clubs to festivals that have twenty, thirty, fifty, seventy thousand people. Uh, and and my feeling on it is that you should give a club audience the exact same show that you would give mm. a Madison Square audience um, show because they went out of their way to buy a ticket. They went out of their way to come and see you. They could have done something else. They could have spent their money on something else. Then they chose to spend it on Quiet Riot. And so 
so they deserve the best possible show, be it be it a small club in the middle of nowhere or be it uh, uh, you know the biggest festival in the middle of everywhere. So when you guys uh, before you got signed to, to the to the big record deal. How long? How long were you guys playing? And can you kind of give a quick synopsis about how it went down? Like you got where the big break came. Well, Kevin and I started working together. Uh, uh, the first time we discussed seriously working together, uh, Kevin came down to hear me. I was in a, in a three-piece uh, power trio that sounded like a cross between uh, Jeff Beck and Led Zeppelin, and it had Michael Monarch, the original uh, guitarist uh, from uh, Steppenwolf and Detective, oh, wow. and a bass player named Tommy Steele. And Kevin came to see me play at that show, and after the show, we had bellied up to the bar and had a couple of drinks, and we started talking about working together. So it was probably three to six months after that that we started working together in 
was, uh, and as you can see, I've got a memory like this tomorrow. When reality hit, it was November 15th of 1983. It was the day after my birthday, and we were playing Rockford, Illinois, and our manager came into the dressing room and gave us the news that the following week, mental health would be number one, because you get the numbers a week ahead so that they can print the copies, yeah. you know, and everything that goes out. Uh, and that's when reality hit us that, you know, well, this is... This is huge. I mean, this is beyond huge. I mean, at that point, we were selling anywhere between thirty-five and fifty thousand copies a week, um, and uh, and at that point, you know, the album went gold and then platinum, then double platinum, then triple platinum, then quadruple platinum. Wow. Um, and we stopped counting in two thousand three. Uh, it was ten million copies of Metal Health worldwide, and we stopped counting at that point. So I have no idea where it's at. But that night and. Rockford, Illinois, it became very real, but it was also balanced by the fact that, you know, we're going to have a number one record the next week, and we were the opening act for Black Sabbath. Wow. That's insane, man. All right, one more fan question, and then we'll get, we'll get back on the, on the on the live record. Um, this, this this young lady, her name is Jill. She's from Hempstead, Long Island. There you go. Um, she said, I'm sure Frankie has a lot of highlights in his career, but can he mention one or two of the, you know, one of his highlights of, of your career when you look back? Um, yeah, um, you know, the reason Madison Square Garden, and I mentioned it before, yeah. but the reason Madison Square Garden was important to me personally is because I have so much history with that place. I mean, when I was, when I was a kid, you know, my parents used to take me to Madison Square Garden to see the Ringling Brothers Circus. And then when I got older, uh, my dad used to take me to what he called price fighting. He didn't call it boxing, he called it price mm -hmm. fighting. And he'd always get the bloody seats, you know, where when somebody oh, got yeah. smacked in the face, you know, blood came spurting out, we got it, you know. Yeah. Um, so I had history with that. And then, and then seeing so many bands at Madison Square Garden, especially my favorite band, um, Led Zeppelin, my favorite rock band, Led Zeppelin. And true story, when we came in to play there, the first time we played there, we were supporting Judas Priest. So as soon as we got to the venue, uh, I went to the union crew and I said, all right, is anybody here, was anybody here working when Led Zeppelin uh, played here? And, and one, just one old guy says me. Okay. And I said, come here. And I took him over to the stage and I said, do you remember exactly where John Bonham sat oh my God. when they played? Yeah. And he goes, yeah. And he comes over and he, and he does a, a cross on the ground with his foot. And I said to my drum tech, that's where that's that's so, you know. that's freaking awesome. See right there, you, you know, you set up exactly where John Bottom drummer, the drummer for Zeppelin set up. Yep, and then and then it, it, and it gets and even, as great as that was, it gets even better because the next morning, um, before we left town to go play wherever we we're playing, you know, that that uh, that following evening, um, we were required to go to um, uh, CBS Records. This is before it was Tony. Uh, CBS Records, and we went and saw the president, Walter Yetnikoff, and we were presented with gold and platinum albums. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, last night we, we finished we finished playing Madison Square Garden, and then we had a huge party afterwards, and then the next morning we're getting gold and platinum records, and that is truly called living the dream. No kidding. Plus you played in the exact spot John Bonham was banging the drums. That's right. That's I insane. didn't sound anything like him, but I sure <laughs> hey, that's, that's That's great, man. Um, you know, you mentioned Judas Priest before. I, I, I would, I, I'd be remiss if I don't mention this. I, I'm just—it's beyond me how they're not in the Hall of Fame yet. 
I mean, why is Judas Priest in the freaking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah, it's not right. But, you know, at the same token, there's a lot of things that aren't right about this industry. Uh, you know, Quiet Riot goes to number one, first metal album goes to number one, and uh, and we didn't even get nominated for a Grammy for, for you know, Best New Group. That's they completely, totally snubbed us. And when Kevin passed away, God bless him, yeah. uh, they completely snubbed him that year on the memoriam. They didn't even include him. So, you know, it's it can be a really nasty business. Un unfortunate. You know, you mentioned Kevin, man. God, when I heard his, for the first, when I heard that guy's vocals, for the first time, I, mean, I told you before. I bought the record before I even. I mean, I, I knew I, knew, I had to have the record just by the cover. I'm telling you, I didn't even hear the songs yet. Um, I mean, I heard it on the radio, I'm sure, but I didn't hear a lot of the B songs. You know, you know what I mean. I didn't hear a lot of the other songs. But when I heard first time I heard Kevin's vocals, I mean, every hair in my body stood up. I was like, oh my god, this dude, this dude is, is just takes it to a different level. Yeah, and in his entire career, let me tell you. Uh, life he was singing better and stronger than he sang when I first met him and when I first met him he was singing better and stronger than anybody else I had ever heard um, uh, he was uh, he was an amazing uh, singer and amazing performer and uh, one of the funniest guys I've ever known God bless him man he's up in heaven yep. you know what he's up in heaven looking down looking at you guys like man that's my boy they're still doing it they're still doing it you know every single up, oh, Frankie, you phone. Yeah, well, your phone just broke up a little bit. Can you repeat that? The quiet ride ever played. Kevin and I always walked up on stage uh, together, um, and every night I walk up on stage now, I, I feel him there. I, yeah. it's, uh, it's it's the weirdest thing. So that's that's that's, that's freaking. That's a, it's something you'll never, you know, you'll never forget, and you'll have it the rest of your life. You know, so that's yeah. Listen, I spent twenty seven years sitting sitting behind the drums looking at this guy in front of me for 27 years so it's wow. uh, it, it was a it was a pretty big hit it was a pretty big hit i know it was and i read a lot about how your relationship with him and and, and it just have been must have been really tough on you man I mean, yeah. all right brother let's um let you know i, I wanted before i let you go because i know you probably got another interview coming up here in a few minutes um tell the fans real quick where they can get the uh, the new record one night in milan and then just kind of go over where they can follow you on your social media and things like that It is a great. I listened to the whole thing uh, yesterday, and it's, it's got a great. I love the flow. I mean, I can't speak highly enough about James Durbin, of course, and then Chuck Wright, of course. You know, a lot of people, maybe some of the younger audience, they don't realize Chuck Wright was there when you guys were right, and he was in the, in the middle of Metal Health, wasn't he? Back in the first first record came out. Yeah, he is 
represented on the mental health on those two tracks. He's represented on condition critical uh, in, uh, in one of the tracks on there. So, uh, again, like I said, he's been part of the Quiet Ride family uh, on and off since 1982. All right, last thing I got for you. You mentioned a minute ago that you guys are going to be hitting the studio, or if not already. Um, what about a Quiet Riot tour for 2019? Can the fans expect to see you guys hit the road? Oh, yeah, we already started. We did our last, uh, to give you an idea how little time off we take, <laughs> the last show we did in, uh, in 2018 uh, was at the Whiskey in Hollywood on December 27th. Our first show was less than three weeks later uh, this past weekend, uh, the 19th in Arizona. Uh, we leave on Friday to go play up in San Francisco. And I've been managing the band since 1993, so I've got, you know, I've got my thumb on the pulse of everything. Oh, yeah. I have got... I've got contracts sitting here the, for accepted dates all the way into October of 2019 and beyond. Beautiful. Frankie, thank you, man. It's been an honor to have you on the show. Really, really big fan of you guys for so many years. Just an honor to talk to you. I appreciate you doing this. Brad, thank you so much for the interest. Like I said, you know, two, two of the most important things uh, for me and Quiet Riot are, are the fans that have made it possible for us to have the career you know, we've had and we continue to have. But also, you know, to people like you that are that are interested enough in the band uh, that will give us, you know, the time to really promote and, and set the record straight and uh, and let people know that Quiet Riot is alive and well. You got that, you got that right, man. Franks. Frankie, appreciate you so much, and uh, I'll tweet this out on all my social networks. If you can, share it as well so we can get it out there for everybody. Yeah, just make sure I know where it is, and I, and I you know, I'm really, really good about about uh, preaching the gospel uh, <laughs> according to you. Absolutely, brother. Have a good night. Thank you for doing this, buddy. Take care, my friend. You too, buddy.